0: Welcome to the Frontline Gastroenterology podcast based on the paper Green Endoscopy, Using Quality Improvement to Develop Sustainable Practice published online in Frontline Gastroenterology in 2021. We're also discussing the work the UK's Green Endoscopy Group are doing and developing at this moment in time. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Social Media and Associate Editor of Frontline Gastroenterology and Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom. And I extend a very warm welcome to the members of the UK Green Endoscopy Group, Dr. James Morris, Hepatology Registrar at St. Mary's Hospital in London, Dr. William Stapleford, Hepatologist and Gastroenterologist at the Royal Cornwall Hospital, and Dr. Boo Hay, Consultant Gastroenterologist at King's College Hospital in London. James, Will, Boo, Thank you very much for joining me to do this podcast today. As you all know, as we all should know, climate change is clearly an urgent issue. To what extent are healthcare practices contributing to this, though? And what is the Green Endoscopy Group?
1: Um, So healthcare has a very large environmental and climate uh, footprint. You've only got to look around you in any hospital in your everyday life to see how much stuff we use even quite simple procedures like putting in a cannula or something like that, use lots of bits and bobs. We can see that all around us, gowns, gloves to do anything. We wash our hands, we use some water, energy, plastic, all sorts of things. All those things have to be got out of the ground predominantly. They have to be made, they have to be transported, they have to be disposed of. So, And that is an awful lot of stuff. All of it has come from somewhere, all of it is going somewhere. So as a result of that, healthcare around the world has a very large carbon footprint and a very large environmental uh, footprint. In the UK, uh, the carbon footprint of the healthcare sector is around 5% or so of the national carbon footprint, but it's around 3% of the particulate, it contributes to around 3% of the particulate pollution, several percent of the sulphur dioxide uh, that we have to uh, breathe in. Uh, and obviously all of these things, okay, the, the end result is that uh, these pollutions is that that hurts our health, that harms our health. The intention is that, obviously, um, our health is improved by the healthcare sector, so there's a bit of a sort of contradiction there. Obviously, all the um, items that we use have to be obtained from somewhere. We rely on all sorts of extractive industries around the world, whether it's oil, um, metals such as cobalt or gold or wood or whatever. All these things have to be obtained and transported. Um, Extractive industries as as a rule. Uh, whatever it is, tend to be environmentally harmful. Water pollution is a really, really big one. Endoscopy uses vast amounts of water. It's a really, really good example. Um, So water pollution is really important. Um, The size of the carbon footprint and environmental footprint of the healthcare sector depends on the population of a country and the size of its economy um, overall. America is around 12%. We're around 5%. These figures vary around the world. Um, the overall the situation is that we are trashing the health of tomorrow um, for the sake of today and that's something that can't really uh, continue um, the green endoscopy group came together initially on Twitter I mean I can't bear Twitter but actually it's really good for getting people together and communicating rapidly about a specific issue uh, and it came quite rapidly apparent that there was a group of us out there who were really vexed by endoscopy certainly the amount of stuff that we use and the amount of stuff that we throw away um sometimes to to potentially fairly little benefit I think a lot quite a number of us felt that that's something we wanted to do something about and uh, the green endoscopy group was uh born and has achieved in my opinion really quite a lot in quite a short time we started out as just having a bit of a chat and uh, and it's been a very productive group in quite a short time
0: thank you Will um but how might climate change directly impact on the health and well-being of our patients?
1: So the health, let's leave gastroenterology and hepatology aside for a minute, because surprisingly, those organ systems are so far reasonably exempt so far, as far as we know, although liver disease, fatty liver disease is, is a separate issue potentially. But the, the health effects are multifactorial, starting with heat events is a really Really unpleasant and dangerous heat event developing in Northwest uh, USA and the Pacific at the moment. Heat events are very dangerous, particularly with the frail elderly. Back in 2003, a heat event killed around 70,000 people in uh, across Europe. So they are deadly episodes if you are frail or elderly or have cardiorespiratory um, disease. Particulate pollution is worse at higher temperatures. Wildfires exacerbate particulate pollution uh, enormously. You may recall the wildfires in Australia. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, air pollution following these events is, is really very, um, air quality is really very poor. Infections, uh, zoonoses, obviously, say half a degree or one degree um, increase in temperature for us, maybe not, may, may not feel too much, but for a mosquito or some other uh, potential vector, that can free up a very large geographical area. Uh, so, zoonoses, those are new zoonoses, um, new infections, uh, renal disease mental health is worsened, accidents and trauma. Basically, every organ system um, is affected. Um, The GI tract largely so far appears to be exempt, uh, as far as we know, aside from some infections. Liver is a separate uh, question. Pollution, particulate pollution, is a risk factor for for, for type 2 diabetes. But as far as the liver goes, we don't quite uh, know where this is going. So those are the sort of health effects, and they are multi multi-system and the other effect of climate on on health or rather the healthcare sector is disruption of infrastructure so whether that's wildfires um, whether that's flooding uh, disruption of extractive industries or transport networks those are the sort of main problems that we need to sort of think about uh, and deal with.
0: Thank you Will. Um, Boo perhaps you could answer this next question how has the coronavirus pandemic provided an opportunity to think about the environmental impact of endoscopy?
2: Thanks, that's a a really great question, Phil, because it speaks to so many uh, aspects and so many of the discussions that we've been having over the past 12 to 16 months um, with green endoscopy. Um, I think it's a truism now to say that the pandemic gave us pause to think about all sorts of practices and principles in healthcare. Um, And the great thing about sustainable endoscopy is that it chimes very well with the approaches that we were almost forced to take um, during the pandemic. We were really forced to re-evaluate the appropriateness of everything that we were doing. We were forced to prioritise um, cases and really triage really robustly with a lot of senior input. Um, we had to minimise patient travel and access uh, we We ramped up the use of digital technologies and alternative technologies to endoscopy to 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 try and do the best for our patients, but as it turns out, all of those aspects have an impact on our carbon footprint um, so it 's been a relatively straightforward way of translating. Sustainable practice into our into our everyday workflow because it's kind of the stuff that we were doing already, and it, and it makes it makes a lot of sense to a lot of people when we talk to them about these kinds of uh, changes. The problem with the coronavirus pandemic is is partly uh, is is the use of PPE uh, and the infection control policies that had to be put in place, but have kind of prevented us from doing everything we really wanted to do. In terms of recycling or or reusing items in in our everyday practice Um, but I'm glad to say that that's changing as well so do watch this space for more.
0: Thank you Boo. What is happening on a national level to move towards more sustainable practice in in endoscopy?
2: Uh, Yeah that's another really great question I think um, I'll preface that by saying that it's something that we pick up on a lot when we talk to uh, colleagues around the country that they that they have a sort of almost a sense of defeatism about. Well, you know, it's all very well us doing X Y Z, but but you know that's a drop in the ocean. It's very much not a drop in the ocean. Anything and everything that we can do in healthcare has a potentially significant impact. And the other thing is that that what we'd like to promote people to do is to share learning. And to share learning through through us, through Green Endoscopy, through the British Society of Gastroenterology, through any channel that they, through their local networks, through any channel that they've got, really. Um, because they might have chosen to do something locally that, that is not known nationally. Um, so it, it's important for us to get the word out. Um, but on a national level, uh, there's all sorts of things going on. We are linked very, very closely now with the Greener NHS um, team, uh, which was the sustainable Development Unit, the STU, the part of the NHS, which is really driving the net zero agenda, the BSG have really come on board and have really sort of recognised the impact of what we're doing and are now uh, have now convened and and of each our president has convened a, a working group to to really embed sustainability into everyday practice in the BSG. We are talking to procurement, uh, we're talking to uh, infection control colleagues uh, and we are talking to uh, the Association of British Healthcare Industries as well. So all sorts of uh, conversations happening, all sorts of progress being made. Um, So things are very definitely happening on a national level. Um, Wouldn't want people to lose heart or despair that what they're doing locally doesn't have an impact. It very much does. And it's very much part of a bigger puzzle.
0: I can see that. Thank you, Bill. It seems like an awful lot's happening. Um, James, um, do we know what sustainable practice endoscopy looks like yet? Do you have any examples, for instance?
3: Thanks, Phil, and um, thanks for having me on the podcast uh, today. It's nice to be on the other side <laughs> for a change. Um, I, I think it's an interesting question, and I think on the one hand, we don't really know what this looks like, and I suppose, I don't mean that totally negatively, but I suppose as a as a specialty and as Perhaps uh, Will alluded to earlier. Um, as gastroenterologists, we've been a bit slow to wake up to the fact that we're part of the problem and we need to change the way we do things. But that certainly has changed over the last 12 months. And I think that even though at the moment we don't totally know, um, for example, what a fully sustainable service looks like, we do have a good idea about what the principles should be that we should be using on which to base models of sustainable endoscopy. And these have been really well laid out by an excellent organisation called the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare, which we'd really um, urge listeners to go to their website and look at what they're doing. And and they lay out four key principles of of what sustainable practice looks like. So, for example, it might be self-evident, but that if each endoscopic procedure we do has an environmental impact and an area we clearly need to focus on is simply in doing less... Um, That might be doing less procedures, um, but it might also mean making the process around each procedure more efficient and less wasteful. And that's the principle of what's called lean systems. So, for example, minimising patient travel and hospital visits along the patient journey, reducing the number of reports printed, reducing how many biopsy pots we send, uh, that kind of thing. So lean systems. But also, um, it may be that there's an alternative to doing endoscopy that achieves a similar aim, uh, but without the same resource use. And that's the principle of a low-carbon alternative. So an example that springs to mind would be optimal use of fit testing, faecal cow protecting, much of which is already being done, of course. But it might be that there are emerging technologies that we can harness um, better, and particularly given what Boo's been, been mentioning about this you know, opportunity we have following the COVID pandemic, we've got to deal with a huge backlog of endoscopic procedures. You know, now's the time to think, you know, are there alternative technologies that we can use uh, to deal with the backlog and to, to get the results that we need in a more resource-efficient way. So, for example, things like Cytosponge for Barrett's esophagus or perhaps more widespread use of capsule endoscopy, these technologies which would, um, in theory, uh, you'd think, have a lower carbon footprint and be a more sustainable alternative to doing an endoscopy on all our patients. So that's lean systems and uh, a low-carbon alternative. And the two other principles are patient empowerment uh, getting the patient uh, involved centrally in decision making, but also a focus on prevention rather than cure. Um, and as my grandfather used to say, it's better to put a fence at the top of the cliff than park an ambulance at the bottom. And that's definitely true when it comes to sustainable models of healthcare. So uh, those are the four key strands. And we're still in the very early days of thinking about how to incorporate these in- principles into our endoscopic practice Um, And we need now to start generating models of service delivery that can be shared um, among the gastroenterology community, which have these four themes really at the focus of what they're trying to achieve.
0: Thank you, James. I I certainly like your grandfather's phrase. How can um, quality improvement projects be used to develop models of sustainable slash green endoscopy?
3: Yeah, so we, we got thinking about this recently. Um, the Royal College of Physicians lists sustainability as a facet of quality. And cycles of improvement projects can provide a useful framework uh, to examine and understand what we're doing um, and to identify aspects of practice that don't fit with these principles of sustainable healthcare that, that I alluded to just now. And, and then from that platform to then make small and measurable improvements. Now, I'm the first one to admit that I am no expert in in quality improvement projects, far from it. Um, But I have been inspired uh, in reading the excellent material produced by the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare on how to help units design sustainability-focused QUIPS. Uh, And our paper that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Phil, that we've just published in Frontline, essentially took that framework from the um, CSH um, website and some papers they've published in Future Hospital Journal, and we took that framework and tried to apply it to an endoscopy context. And I suppose my hope was that units could take our paper, could take the material from the um, CSH and link up with their local trust, uh, Green Champion, and just brainstorm ideas in their own setting. And as Boo mentioned, this is going to be very much in, in tune with what our trusts across the country are going to be wanting to do right now there are huge targets being set for every trust to meet NHS net zero goals and so individual endoscopy units can link into that broader vision and there should be lots of local support to help units develop quality improvement projects with a name to trying to make their service more sustainable in line with the trust vision of net zero targets and quality improvement doesn't have to be a big thing it can just be identifying those small aspects of the patient journey of the processes are involved in each um, endoscopic procedure and then implementing small changes uh, to improve quality um, and ultimately improve the sustainable foundations of of what we're doing and I think with that in mind I will just flag up the the CSH the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare does run courses on how to set up quality improvement projects um, in units not just endoscopy units but in the hospital in general and it's well worth checking those out um, uh, I'm about to sign up for one in a few weeks time and very much looking forward to it
0: thank you James um, now for the next two main questions I'm going to limit time just because we are a bit short on time uh, now to uh, to just some fairly brief um, responses if I may so the first question So what other healthcare organisations are actively involved in developing models of sustainable healthcare? And are there any big developments on the horizon? Will, Boo, could you reply to that, please?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll chip in first, uh, Phil. I'll let Will come in. Um, I'd like to mention, and thanks for the opportunity, I'd like to mention that we've, uh, with the support of the Centre for Sustainable Healthcare, we've created the first, um, I think it's the world's first, actually, a sustainable endoscopy fellowship, and that's very much based on the model that the CSH have already tried and tested with really with great success in theatres and anaesthetics. And it is only right that endoscopy come in third because we are the third highest generator of waste in in the hospital, um, after those other two specialty colleagues. So w- we're very very excited to have that post and that person starting in September. Um, very grateful to. Prof. Uh, Shuan Thomas Gibson at uh, St. Mark's for for co-hosting that fellow with myself at Kings, but it's very much uh, that that person and that fellowship will be a focal point for uh, national programs for for people to come and network around, so that we can really create a national and and hopefully international network of sustainability.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would second all that. I mean, there's there's almost too many organisations to work with and I sort of slightly hesitate to say that but there is a very large number of bodies that want to get behind uh, this work uh, and it's almost difficult to know where to start. Um, Healthcare Without Harm really, really great European organisation. The NHS itself you know is developing so much expertise internally so as time goes on really quite quickly we're not going to have to look you know, far from um, the NHS itself, as such as the the sort of rate of progress, really, and that's a really exciting development.
2: Yep. And and ju- I would just add that um, that Jag, uh, we're really grateful to Jag um, for for recognising the importance of say, sustainability, and they've just uh, in their new updated GRS, they've just included uh, a descriptor for green endoscopy, which is absolutely fantastic it's fairly straightforward so we hope that most most units will be uh, able to meet that anyway but it's great to get the ball rolling great to have it official so to speak um so well done jag
0: it certainly sounds like a, a positive step forward doesn't it so the last dreaded question the role of industry in creating sustainable models of endoscopy um i'm going to give you each a chance uh, starting with you james to comment on this if you will um, but but keep keep it keep it concise.
3: Thanks, Phil. I feel the least equipped to answer this question. I suppose in, in one sentence, I'd say um, there's obviously um, a sense of caution that uh, some industry will not want us to do less, uh, and that is a, a big emphasis, I think, on, on on a lot of what we do. But I think on a positive note. Um, what we need is new technology and we need uh, less carbon-intensive technology. uh, And there's wonderful examples already of industry really driving that forward. And I think our partners um, in industry will be absolutely key um, to finding alternatives uh, to um, endoscopy procedures um, to ensure we get optimal patient care but at uh, much reduced resource use. I don't know if Boo has a comment on that.
2: No, well, I, I would uh, I would echo that, and I would say it's important. And I'll tee up Will for this as well, because I know I think I know what Will will say. <laughs> but I think it's really I think it's really important for us to have a grown up conversation about this with our, with our industry partners, because we cannot carry on with business as usual. Um, the Greener NHS team have now have, have sort of put single use back on the agenda in terms of revising. Our, our previous uh, sort of reliance on single use equipment. Um, so that's a really interesting development that's just happened in the last week or so. But I think we just have to, as, as James is saying, we have to, we rely on our industry partners to some extent to, to develop R&D, to, to come up with new ideas and new, new ways of working. But at the same time, we have to demand more of them. We have to demand that they become more sustainable. And actually uh, the national procurement team are, have now put that emphasis into procurement tender contracts that, that sustainability has to be there and, and companies will start having to prove their credentials and what they're doing to achieve a net zero and, and contribute to the NHS's net zero.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we've got to work more closely with industry and really, you know, hold their feet to the fire when we can when they don't come up to the mark. And the the, the pandemic has brought all sorts of things to the fore within um the the industry associated with endoscopy. And there is really quite a lot of greenwash and nonsense appearing already, which I think we've really got to call out. Um, You know, the reduction in carbon has got to be real. Um, And all in all sorts of industries, when we look at attempts to reduce the carbon, it's not, it's magic. People do sums and the carbon is elsewhere. This has got to be real and concrete. You know, climate and the warming climate is the laws of physics so you can't cheat it it's got to be real and you know i welcome any discussion with healthcare, but it's got to be real
0: on that note i think we'll end it there but thank you um all three of you james uh well boo for for joining me to to do this podcast today and of course to your colleagues the green end osprey group for your t- fantastic work to date in such a short period of time through a pandemic and obviously. We'll look forward to your further outputs in the future from the team uh, related to this crucially important area. Thank you to our listeners, and thank you for joining us for the FG podcast. And if you want to read the paper associated with this podcast, there's a link underneath. Thank you, and uh, good evening.